I'd like you to do me a favor. Would you turn in your Bibles? I'd like to start here at this particular time. I'd like to begin with Romans chapter 8, verse 14. One of the greatest books we have on uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the direction of the Holy Spirit, understanding the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit, is, is found in the book of Romans. He talks about what the Holy Spirit does for us, how praying in the Holy Spirit makes a difference for us, how we hear from the Spirit of God, and he gives us direction. When we pray, we, we aren't, uh, sometimes we don't know what to pray for, but when we have the Holy Spirit, he helps us to pray. He helpeth us in our infirmities. But this scripture here, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, is an extremely important scripture because it tells us a lot about what the born-again believer is supposed to do. You know, I find a lot of times that many of us have not come to realize that we live in a physical body and that with the physical body, we touch physical things. We have five senses, taste, touch, feel, hear, see, and smell. We get five senses. And so with the physical body, with our physical cells, we touch physical things. Would you say that? With my physical body... I touch physical things. That's earthly stuff. We live in a body. As a matter of fact, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you know Jesus Christ, when you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, then to be absent from the body means the body remains what it is, but something leaves, something, the real you leaves this body. But we have to understand that. What do I touch with my physical senses? I touch physical things. Then I have a soul. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. I've been made in three parts. I have a mind, will, and emotions. I have the ability to, 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 to cognitively understand the natural world. Can you imagine if you just didn't have that? Well, no. You have to have some way to relate to what's going on in the physical world, to educate yourself on a natural basis. And so God gave us the ability to do that. We have a soul. And with our soul, we can connect to the natural world. We deal with natural things. But I, don't, I, I, I obviously connect to the world with my physical sentences, my, my body that I live in. I also have this soul that I have, which is the ability to cognitively and to mentally understand what happens in the, in the, in the world I live in. But we have a third part of us, and the third part of us is our spirit man. Our spirit man, that's, that's who we really are. I'm a spirit. I live in a body, and I have a mind, will, and emotions. And with my body, I contact physical things. With my mind, I contact emotional things. But with my spirit is how I contact spiritual things. It's how I deal on a spiritual level. And it really amazes me. The Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Say that with me. For as many as are led... By the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Well, this is discussing with us that pneuma. Pneuma relates to the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit within us. When we get saved, Jesus comes into us, but it's the Holy Spirit. He's active, relating to us, talking to us, dealing with us. He's a voice within us. He is our voice. I just thank God I've got a guide on the inside. Somebody can say amen to that. We need to use our guide on the inside. Many of us are just operating in physical things. All we deal with is the physical life, dealing with physical challenges, physical situations. And so we're drawn away by what we can, can't, are able or unable to accomplish in the physical realm. Then that means that we have not transported or come to a higher level of understanding that I'm not a physical being. Alone, I'm, that's only one part of me. But the Bible says not to be led by your 
uh, uh, physical senses. He's not discussing with us that our physical senses, our abilities in the natural, are the guiding light for us. That that's what guides us and directs us. No, he doesn't say that. And he doesn't say that I'm to do it with my mental realm. That's why it's, a, it's it, when we go and we get educated and we go off into worldly settings and they teach us worldly things. And certainly, you know, there are, uh, again, born-again believers out there that are teaching. But, you know, on a whole, teaching is based on physical levels of things in the natural world. It's based on natural understanding. And God didn't say to be led by your natural understanding. You know, we do this in the church. We, 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 we almost, we, we get so confused about spirit, soul, and body that we don't understand. God is saying to us, when you find a place and God connects you to it, and God commits you to it, that you're again, let's just go there, not to be led by your physical body. It's not about how you feel today. It's not about how people feel about you. You know, I've been doing this long enough to know that as I preach for 20, going on 21 years now, sometimes people really like my message and sometimes they don't. Sometimes people shout and get excited and say, Pastor, you're back. Sometimes they say, boy, I wish he'd come back. Somebody ought to say amen. If I judged what I preach, if I, if I made everything about my physical senses, then, then over this course of time, it really would have been confusing for me because I could have felt like I was ineffective or unable to achieve because I was worried about whether emotionally I felt good. You know, you, listen, there is, there is so much, you know, I just, it's amazing to me. You know, especially watching sports, I really like sports of all kinds, and how, how we treat sports in relative to the way coaches deal with our kids or deal with families or deal with coaches, deal with referees. You know, you get out there and the referees might be right, they might be wrong. Have y'all ever been where they were wrong? Somebody say amen. I, I'm not one that's very quiet when they're wrong. Somebody ought to say amen. I was out the other day, and they were playing, and there was a, a pass interference call in the end zone on the, uh, on the other team. Uh, they, they said, we pass interfered, and, and uh, somehow they claimed the kid had grabbed his hands or something like this. I watched the whole play, and if I had if I had, had replay, I could have went and showed it to him. But I just started yelling out, you're wrong. Now, y'all know me, Pastor Steve. I'm just loud. Now, listen, folks, I'm just loud. Sometimes people think I'm yelling. You have not heard me yell. You don't know what that's really like. <laughs> I mean, you know, just, I'm just loud. I'm just a loud person. So I'm already loud out there. And, and so then the guy, uh, the coach starts talking to him, and the referee comes over to the coach. And I just told him, I said, no sense keeping talking. You were wrong. And the whole stadium's hearing everything I'm saying. This is, this is, you know, but, I mean, we can't judge. We can't deal with things, dealing with them in our physical senses, how we feel physically. We have to understand God joins us fitly. He fitly joins us. And when you get in church, there are times when you feel like you're totally accepted, when you feel like you're totally in place, when you feel like everything's working and all your dreams are coming true and everything you want from God is true. But there are always times in church, and I I use church where we could have gone to sports because, you know, you get over there, you don't get as offended over there. I notice people don't get as offended at the football game you know, they may talk about the coach, but they don't throw him out next week. Amen. Next week, if he wins, everybody's excited. They like him that week. 
I mean, he's a good person. He's doing great things. Man, I'm so glad we have this coach because we, we won 48 to nothing, man. He's doing a job. Of the, this week had to be a better practice. He must have done so much. They never account for the kids' performances. They never account for whether they ate properly. They never account for whether they had water. Kids are laying on the ground, and they're all, you know, cramping up and stuff. But if you won 48 to nothing, it's not the coach's fault. You know, that's really the truth. We ought to act like that. When it comes to the house of God, we ought to be more mature than we are. And maturity says, you know, that there are things we have to contribute, things we have to do, things we are, uh, and, and it isn't all about one individual. It's about something else. And this is why God's leading us and saying to us, man, you are a spirit. And when I connect you, when I hook you up, when I, when I define where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do, you are a spirit. And for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, we ought to encounter the Holy Spirit and encounter God in a way that we are led by His Spirit and that we are not led by our flesh. Whether we feel good this week or don't feel good. Whether we accept it or unaccept it. God is not moved by those things and you shouldn't be either. We're led by the Spirit of God. We're not led by our flesh. We're not led by our head. Boy, I've been at this again long enough to know, man, people get excited and, they, and in their mind, everything is wonderful and they will tell you about everything that's a dream and vision and yet all of a sudden when impact comes that's not necessarily on the level of intellectualism they want it to be on, they're struggling and they're dealing with those struggles and that's fine, but the Bible says you're not to be led by those struggles. Somebody ought to shout out amen right there. Amen. Remember that the kingdom of God is the single most important thing to God. Certainly you're part of the kingdom. God wants you to remain in the kingdom. God wants you to be effective in his kingdom. But he wants to use you in his kingdom for others to come to his kingdom. If you think it's about you, if you isolate everything about the situation as to your performance and how you achieved and how you feel, you'll have missed the point that God has far more for your life. He has far more expectations about you, about your future. When you tag into the idea and you tag into the knowledge to be led by the Spirit of God is the goal. If you're a son of God, you're to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're to find places alone with the Lord come into places of relationship so God can speak to us so we can have information given to us now there's a way God talks he talks to us by his Holy Spirit and 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 sometimes it's it, it, it comes to us as as clear information from the voice of God but more often than not it's just about your spirit hearing from God's spirit it's about you understanding that you are a spirit, that you live in a body, and you have a mind, will, and emotions. It's understanding how to come to a place where, you know, and I've used uh, fasting as a good example of this. You know, when you fast, when you really fast and pray, there's a few things that happen to you. Number one, your body gets crazy. How many of you have fasted before? How many know when you fast, your body starts saying, you need to go to the fridge? You drive by Don Jose and your body's, I mean, before, you don't even know why you're driving there. Have y'all ever gotten in your car and started to go somewhere? You were going to Kmart or Walmart or I don't think Kmart's around, but Walmart, you were going and all of a sudden you were sitting in Starbucks. I know I'm not the only one that's happened to you. I'm sitting there in Starbucks and why am I at Starbucks? Because my mind took control. Now I wanted to go to Walmart, but I ended up at Starbucks. See, your mind will get in control. 
You've got to control that. You've got to overcome that. You've got to realize that you are led by the Spirit of God. You've got to understand that your body wants to operate in the earthly realm. It wants to live in the earthly realm. It wants to do things in the earthly realm. And that's okay because God gave it to us to operate in the earthly realm, but he gave it to us so that he could speak to us in the innermost part of who we are. He wants to speak to my spirit by the Holy Spirit. His Spirit helpeth my spirit. His spirit comes in line. We can get in tune with God to the point that we are concerned about spiritual endeavors to the point we we can not be affected by the natural endeavors. Come on, somebody ought to say amen there. Boy, I just want to keep teaching this to our church because it'll change the way we approach things. It'll change the way we do things. You know, we were at a church. My mom and dad pastored a church in Alabama in a place called... uh, uh, Valley, Alabama. And so there, when, before we got there, the church had, had, had uh, several family members who really sang well. I mean, they really sang well. I'm talking about first-class singers. And so when we started at the church, they would arrange the music and the, you know, because you've got to get there and kind of get the acclamation of what's going on. And so there was this group of singers that would sing, and, and half the church would shout. And the other half wouldn't shout. Then the next week it would be a different group of people singing or a different person. And this half would shout and this half wouldn't shout. And so what had happened was that that the families had had an argument in the church. I'm not sure whether it was over singing or what it was, but the families had had an argument. And so what they would do was, is that when their group of people was singing, they were shouting. They had gotten so confined to the flesh, so confined to their mental realms, that it really wasn't anymore about what God had called us to do. Somebody ought to say amen. It's really not about, I mean, we'd stop being concerned about what the primary task of a song leader was in a church now. What was the primary task? What are they there to do? What is the purpose? And whose purpose is it? Well, it's not your purpose. Somebody ought to shout out amen. You know, I'm very careful around here. You don't own a microphone at Family Worship Center. It passes through your hands and it goes to somebody else because you don't own worship. God owns worship. You don't own how worship worship acts. You're not the one that defines what worship is. That's what they did in this church. They had defined it. They had said, this is the way worship is supposed to be. Well, it works in my family because my family's right and their family's wrong. Y'all know that's wrong. You can look back. You're sitting here. I'm telling you the story. And you're saying that's wrong. And the reason is is because our worship was never about you. Somebody ought to shout out amen. It says here, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. We have have formally missed it as Christians to believe that church was about us. When we get saved, certainly it was about you. It was about you coming to the house of God, you coming to the knowledge of the Lord, you coming to repentance, you coming into the presence of God, you growing in God. But we get so confused. We get so, we get so mesmerized by ourselves and thinking that everything is about us. You are a part of the plan, but you are not the only part of the plan. I wish somebody shout out amen. That's why he gave us these gifts. Go ye into all the world. He told us, preach the gospel to every creature that somebody should believe. If the only place you preach is in church, you're not doing your job. If the only place you witness is when you walk through the doors at Family Worship Center, God is good all the time. Why aren't you saying that in the world when you walk past somebody in the hallway? Why aren't they calling you up and saying, 
can you pray for me? Why aren't you carrying those gifts into the world? Why aren't you taking God out there? The church is the place we get filled. It's not the place we move. It's the place we work. God takes us outside of the house and takes us into a world and says, you take what you got in the house of God. I pray that you get filled up today, that I can tank you up and you can get fired up. And then on Monday morning, when you walk out there Sunday afternoon, you can walk out and say, do you need healing? I'll lay hands on you. Do you need salvation? Jesus saves. Do you need deliverance? Jesus is the deliverer. We're to be led by the Spirit of God. Go ye into all the world. God's called us. Well, I'm preaching good. That's the problem with, with what, what, this just to be a little uh, Steve McCart right now. Is that okay? Every once in a while preachers can leave. I'm not going to preach from Steve. But I've been, I'm in the world too. So there's a body, there's a spirit, and there's a soul. Can I go a little bit into me? You need to get in church. You need to get back to the house of God. You, you're using COVID as an excuse. This is Steve this morning. I'm, I'm talking from Steve. You're using it as an excuse. If I see you at the football game in Darlington, and I see you at the football game at West Florence, and I see you in the Walmart as I walk by, and you say, hey, Pastor Steve, so good to see you. But then I don't see you on Sunday morning. I'm wondering why. That's Steve talking. I think it goes along with the Word of God, so I feel okay about that. He said, forsake not the assemblies of yourselves together. Church, I believe it's time to get back in church. I wish somebody shout out amen. You need to get tanked up, filled up, full of the Holy Ghost so that you don't camp in your house and sit on your pockets and hold your money so that you can't give to God. You're not releasing your time, talent, resources, abilities, and finances, which is the way to access the access of God is to come through those things, and you're binding them up, but you're binding you up. You're bound if you're not free. Come on, let's get free in God. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Be led by the Spirit of God. This is the Holy Spirit's leading. We are not to accept the devil's lie. Amen. I wish somebody shout out amen right there. Amen. You see, if you're still in the flesh, you're still worried about what the doctor said. People become acclimated to diseases and sicknesses. They go... They get good reports from the doctor. Oh, everything's fine. Nothing's growing. Everything's dead. You're fine. They go back two months from now. Well, I got bad news for you. If the thing's growing again, you look like you're dying. A few months ago, they were fully in love with God. Jesus is the healer. I tell you right now, no matter what the doctor says, if he told you you're dying, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can tell me what you want to, but Jesus came that I might have life. Somebody ought to shout out amen. And life. My flesh might be moved by what you said. My head might be moved by what you, what you said. But if I'm spirit led, I'm more concerned about the living in the spirit than I am about the other.
I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. This is about being led by the Spirit of God. I'm going to fight for the Word of God no matter what a doctor tells me. I'm going to fight no matter what the bank tells me. I'm going to fight no matter what the insurance company tells me. Somebody ought to say amen. Because I'm a spirit being living in a physical body that has a mind, will, and emotions. And so my faith will continue to be in the Lord. I'm not going to fret or to be disturbed by what comes in the natural. It is not as real as what's happening in the spirit realm. That chair is real to your body. It's certainly real to your mind. But it is not as real as what God is. It's temporal. It only exists temporarily. But the Word of God exists eternally. I wish somebody would understand what I'm talking about. I like sitting in a chair. But I know my purpose for sitting in the chair. I'm a spirit living in that body. It likes the chair. That's fine. I can acknowledge the chair. But the real me has another agenda, has another purpose. The real me. If you put wood chairs in here, I might not like them so much. In the flesh, I might not like them in my head. But if the worship of God is there and the word of God is there, I can come talk to you about changing the chair, but I ain't changing me. If my wife left me tomorrow, if she decided she was done with church, she was through with everything, and she was finished, I'm not quitting church. I'm not quitting God. I'm not going in the world to live like a worldly person. I'm not serving God because of Amy. I didn't get in church because she's in church. I got in church and found one in church and fell in love with one in church, somebody that loved the things of God. But no matter what happens to her, should she die tomorrow or should I die, I tell you, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm not changing. Nothing is moving. Nothing is going to be distracted. I'm still going to tithe. I'm still going to give. I'm still going to offer my time, talent, resources, abilities because I love the Lord more than I love anything in life. You see, I love him so much. I'm spirit-led that in making decisions about my life, they're always about God. Yes, they affect others, but they're not about others. They're always about God. They're always about the fulfillment of his plan, the desires of his heart. And because I do that, my wife can trust me because she knows I love God more than I love her. She knows I love God more than I love the world. She knows I love God more than I love things. Come on, somebody. And I'm not sacrificing my relationship with God for you, for her, or for anybody. I I wish somebody would get what I'm talking about. I thank God for where he's fitly joined me. I love being in this church. I think it's the best church in the whole world right here. I know other pastors would say that, and I'm certainly biased about my church. But, man, if I lived in Florence, I'd go here. I'd go to this church. I'd put up with stuff I didn't even like. Come on, somebody. Because I want the word taught right. I want the word given to me right. I want to hear things that are going to build me up and put me in a better position. And I'm telling you today to be absent from the bodies, present with the Lord. Who's going to be there? You, the real you, your spirit man. We should become more spiritually conscious. When we have frustrations and aggravations and irritations, we ought to go to the prayer room. 
We ought to get in our car and drive down the road. We ought to find an alone place with heaven and get with God and get in his presence and say, God, I need your help because I'm disturbed in my mind and my flesh isn't right. But God, I want your direction. I want your leading. I want your guidance. I want you to tell me where to go. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not so you can speak in tongues on Monday morning. Speaking in tongues is so you can hear from God on Monday morning. I hope somebody got what I said. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. Thank God for this supernatural gift that God has given us. The gift, the gift, the gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. What's it for? To give us divine leading, divine guidance, divine direction, divine understanding. So we can walk in the ways of God. To be led by the Spirit of God and not fulfill. Somebody ought to shout out amen. Walk in the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. How do we do this? Bible says in Proverbs 20, 27. Turn over there. Proverbs 20, 27. It says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of man. This is where God deals with us. The Holy Spirit comes in. He refreshes us, renews us. The Bible says old things pass away and all things become new. I receive a new spirit, a new I knew who I am. I'm brand new. I'm a new being. I'm not a reconditioned being. I'm not a recovered being. I haven't been made over and just they, just, they just renovated me. That's not how that works. When you get saved, you receive a new, new spirit. No, not a new body. No, not a new mind. Because you have to, you have to condition your mind. Again, back to what I was saying. You know, I see people, all of a sudden, they almost get, you know, they, they hear the diagnosis of, of a sickness or a disease or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden, they hear the bad report. And then they get to the place where they no longer, they stop talking about healing. They no longer get hands laid on. They no longer, well, I'm just going to live till I die. Have you ever met anybody like, come on, let's be honest about it. They just, well, you know, you ought to live the best life you can. I've only got a few years left. They may as well be good ones. I know I'm not the only one. And I tell you what, when I was sick with this disease, there were times in my mind I thought about that. Come on, I wish somebody shout out amen. Because my mind was contrary to what God was saying. I thank God for a wife who would walk in the door and say, and this is what a good preacher's doing. I'm doing this today because if you're a born-again believer, the Bible says we fight. Oh, I'm not getting enough shouting on that. We fight the good fight of faith. The moment you lay down and say, whatever will be, will be, then whatever will be, will actually be. Come on, somebody. I don't live by that philosophy. I live by, God said, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed, and until I take my last breath, until, see, you, you know, faith was given to us so that we could have the ability to postpone the end result, whatever it may be. See, we know that poverty is of the devil. That's not ours. We know sickness is of the devil. That's not ours. And we know sin is of the, of the devil. That's not ours. When we got saved. So we were given faith to postpone all of these things or to, or to eliminate our, uh, our uh, being contagious with them to the point that we act out those things. So I don't have to be poor anymore. I can tithe, give, sow, believe trust in the Lord with all my heart, do all those things, and I can take poverty from me. I can take lack from my life. 
by following the word of God. I can postpone or deter it from me by faith. Ultimately, every person hearing me preach today, no matter who you are, is subject to death. My son has a new car. He drives that car. I tell him every time I can, a couple of things. Get in it, pray every time you get in it. When he walks out the door as often as I can, tell him, get in your car, pray. Believe God for safety and protection. But I tell him, you're driving a missile. You're subject to stupid things because we're humans. We do. What does our mind do? Stupid things. But as a human being, you have trained yourself not to, not to back into cars behind you anymore. You've trained yourself to stay on the right side of the white line. Amen. You don't drive on the left side of the line anymore. When you first started out, you were weaving back and forth. But time brought you back. We have the ability in God to delay, disturb, disrupt the enemy's attacks on us. Does everybody understand that? So, faith, so through faith, I don't have to be subject to the things that are there. That includes sickness. God gave us by Jesus stripes, we're healed. And if you were to ask me, Pastor Steve, is everybody healed according to Jesus? My answer would be yes. But I didn't say when. See, faith people miss it because all of a sudden we want to tell everybody they're healed. But I got news for you. Some people don't get it till they cross the other cross the Jordan. And I can tell you this: every person hearing me today, because of what Adam did, you were subjected to die. God said it is accounted unto a man wants to die. There isn't enough faith to break God's plan. Ever, you can never break God's plan. Not ever. But when you go, will have something to do with you more than it will with God. Nobody's shouting. Nobody's shouting. What you allow in your life, what you allow to exist, what you allow to come in, the disturbances that you've allowed in your life, the things you didn't say, the things that you should say. See, I know, I talked to my sister last night, we're on the phone. Both of us have, been dealt, with, have dealt with the same problem that was a hereditary problem. It's hereditary. And the interesting thing about our heretical pro- our her- heritage problem, our, our problem is, it is a genetic problem that exists connected with weight. Now, my sister's a doctor, so she understands all the things. She's gone through the same stuff that I've gone through. All of her doctors, all of her tests indicate that her weight is the reason she had sugar and all the other issues. And I can tell you right now, I could watch on the weight scale... When I got past a certain point of weight, my blood pressure went up. When I got to a certain place where I was 274 pounds and not in very good health, not doing much exercise, I wasn't watching myself, and all of a sudden, blood sugar occurred. Where did that come from? Well, that came from the devil, ultimately. But it also came from Steve McCart didn't listen to God. He didn't hear from the Lord. He didn't obey when God told him to obey. He did not do the things that he needed to do. You think God is surprised by you and your condition? That he was, I mean, when things happen in your life, you think that God didn't know what you were going to hear? That God didn't know what they would say to you? That God didn't plant you somewhere, put you in a position, and that God was mystified by what the preacher said to you? He was shocked at your emotional condition because somebody hurt your feelings. He didn't know. 
He didn't know. Oh, no, God knows. And he leads us and guides us and helps us and directs us because to be led by the Spirit of God is what he called us to be. I hope somebody's getting to what I'm saying to you. But about life, you can't believe past the promise of what exists that God said was his plan. It is accounted unto a man once to die. And, and, and in dealing with sickness, the Bible was clear that sickness comes from the devil. Absolutely. You are not immune or, or uh, you are not ex- exempt. You're not exempt. It's a good word. This is a good, that's a good word. You are not exempt from sickness. You are not exempted from poverty, but you can be immune to it. Now, I like that. I just like that. Because even though it's here, you have faith to overcome it. You have the belief in God to live over it, to live above it. So even though it comes, when would you stop believing for your healing? What day would you quit standing on God's word? What day in the hospital when the bells are ringing and people are yelling, would you stop? For me, it will be on the last day. I wish somebody would get what I'm talking about. I'm going to proclaim my healing. I'm going to ask people to lay hands on me. I'm going to stand with God. I'm going to confess my miracle. I'm going to believe until the very last day. And the reason I'm going to believe on the very last day is because I know this. Jesus said he would heal all of our sicknesses and all of our diseases. On the last day of your life, you are going to step across from sickness to health, from death to everlasting life, we got to stop thinking the earth is the end. It's not the end. There's more. There's further. There's more in God. Don't ever stop believing. Don't ever give up. Don't ever turn off your heart. Stand and believe. Fight the fight of faith. Yell it out if you got to. Shout it if you have to. Talk to every tumor and every disease. Never let the tumor remain. Because even if it doesn't leave you on this earth, you're going to believe like me that I'm telling you every tumor will be over on that day. Every disease will be gone on that day. Fight. And so he said our spirit, we need to become so spiritually conscious that we are flesh deprived. And solically deprived. By that I mean that's not what's leading us. That's not what's guiding us. That's not what's defining us. I tell you what, you know, I I know I got to quit soon. The inward man is the spirit man. And by the Holy Spirit's help, it has a voice. That my mind can understand. That voice is my inward man, my inward conscience, leading me and guiding me. Be not unwise, Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not unwise. 
but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He says, then be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. The will of God is for you to be filled. This is Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. Let me read it to you again. He says, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the big S. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm less worldly conscious when I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm less worldly desiring when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm less worldly conscious when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Because His Spirit beareth witness with my spirit that I'm the Son of God. I am to be led by the Holy Spirit. I am to avoid or come to the point where the world what is this talking about? What does he mean by being not drunk? He's defining. He's being clear and defining that you're not to be mind conscious. Anybody listening to me today? I've watched all kinds. This is 21 years going on 20 years. I'm already calling it 21 years, but I've seen it all. People come, people go, people here, people not here, people attending, people not attending, people giving, people not giving. I've seen it all. And I can tell you, when I see people who have defined their spirit at the top of the list, when I see that, and, I, and we're all growing. Look at somebody and say, you're growing. So, so for me too. I, I, listen, I, many times when you preach as a pastor, it's about you. It's about what you're going through, what you've experienced. So it's easy to sometimes talk to people because you guys think I don't go through all this stuff and I'm talking to you. Well, I'm not. I got three services today. I'm preaching the same thing in all three services, and you ain't going to be here for all three. So don't think it's about you today. You just happen to be in this one. And if it applies to you, stop acting like I'm preaching at you. I say that because people are out there watching. I don't even know who you are. See, they just think it's about them. You sitting there watching me, you think it's about you. I don't know who you are. I don't even know if you turn on your Facebook. But I can tell you this, over the course of years, I have watched people that lose their spiritual identity oftentimes lose their commitment and connection to the church because they're so emotional, which God said not to be led by. I'm, pre I, listen, I'm preaching. I am, man, I'm tearing it up. Well, you don't have to. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know how you treat me. You don't know what happened. You don't know how this did. And let me tell you something. I still, I go, listen. We all wear filter glasses. Everybody in this room has a filter. Filter. I'm sitting in my house. It's uh, Friday morning. First of all, I don't, know th I don't think many people know where I live. I ain't hiding it, but I ain't advertising it. You understand what I'm saying? Secondly, when somebody drives down my road, I think they're just spying on me. What's he doing? What's his kids doing? Does he have a dog running the street? What's he, you know, that's this kind of thing. And I, sometimes I see him drive by and keep on driving. I'm always glad. Yes. They kept driving. My doorbell rings. Ding dong. I'm in the house. I got on a pair of socks. I ain't dressed all pretty. I hadn't shaved. I mean, I look like I'm at my house. See, y'all think I always look like I got a suit on. 
Let me tell you something, it ain't true. It just, it just ain't true. You know, my kids even make fun of me like I'm, like I'm old now. I'm not old. I went to buy shoes and I said, Steve, what about these shoes? They're great. He said, they look like old man shoes. I'm not wearing them old man shoes. I'm looking down like, oh, old man shoes? Ding dong. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to the front door because I didn't feel like it. I decided to go through the garage. So I came out the garage and there was a car parked on my grass. Sort of. It was in the driveway and in the grass. I don't know who's there. And the lady inside the car points to the front door. So I look at the front door and there's somebody there that I think I know, but I don't know. But she know me. Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve. <laughs> it's the first time in all these years. Well, there's only one other time it happened back in the first church. But it hadn't happened since then that I had somebody come visit me with a need at my house. I can tell, tell you this. Listen to me. If you come to my house with a need, number one, I'm probably not going to be in the spirit. <laughs> and for you to show up at my house, I can tell you, you weren't in the spirit either. How about that? <laughs> I don't know how I got off on that. It's just funny. I thought I'd tell that story. We have a spirit man. We live by that spirit man. We live by the spirit. We define our future by the spirit. And that's why he's saying this. Don't be drunk with wine wares in excess. He's trying to tell us, don't make your level of relationship and the basis of your life on just your mind and your body. A lot of people leave and go places. I don't know. I, I get phone calls all the time from people who have moved and left and followed jobs and didn't follow jobs and thought it'd be better if they went. And, and, and I get that. I get, you know, like moving to other cities. But I always ask them, was your first concern the things of God? Did you find a church? If you found a place to worship, what is your plan with God? What is your plan in relationship with the Lord? If they can't give me that answer, I know they're not following the Holy Spirit. Because the first decision, even if it was money, even if you're going to follow money to a better position financially, what is your plan spiritually? Because we're not to be led by our flesh. We're not to be led by our mind. We're, we're to be led by the Holy Spirit. He's telling us this. If I have a doctor come in and he's going to operate on me, I'd much prefer it be somebody who could pray before he came in. How many of you feel that way? Wouldn't you prefer that the nursing staff was Christian, that believed the Lord, that they could pray over you and believe with you, had faith, trust in God? Oh, I would. I would. I would want that. And I'm just saying to you, that's as believers, we ought to feel this way and we ought to feel confident about it. I don't need to go much further, but I, I started talking about if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will, it'll be done. Being led by the Spirit of God is to, to have the spoken word living in us by the knowledge of the written word. We have to have the written word. I want to read one last passage to you this morning. And I want to declare to you something really important so you understand this. I'm talking about being led by the Spirit. Listen, everybody misses it emotionally. Everybody misses it physically. Everybody. There's not a person that, there's no one alive that doesn't miss it those ways. And we're not condemning of us or you or anybody else that's made those mis mistakes. But I wouldn't be a good preacher if I didn't ever preach on it. 
I don't think I'd be doing my job and I would be very successful if I just allowed people as a whole to make these decisions in their life without having spiritual knowledge of the ability to have a better choice, a better choice over their lives. Because there are better choices and those choices are found in God. They're found in the Holy Spirit. 